0: Hello friends, you're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast, episode number one. Uh, Today's guest is going to be Chuck Reagan. Uh, Before we get started, we're going to listen to the first track off of Chuck's new album, Covering Ground. The track is called Nothing Left to Prove.
1: I could walk for miles looking for those eyes To see the light I need Before the darkness comes sealing up my fate And listen close for the ringing tone And true to it I'll be And take the road that was cut for you and me I couldn't wait for the call Ever since you were wrong, and everything to break me from my sleep. Well, silence took me fierce and blinding me, shadows. Nothing left but a cord to stretch and a word to get home by. Sometimes you reach for the bottle before the sky. Yeah, when we arise the fall in time like government's gone wrong. Reverberate, a call to arms, to cut and wear out our tongues. I couldn't wait for the call. Ever since you were wrong, and everything to break me from my sleep. Well, silence took me fierce and blindly shadows became one. I found the floor with the broken boards and the crisp of ill gold. So tell me, lady, what you said, at we. You want I don't mind, say what you want, I don't mind, say what you want, I don't mind, say what you want, say what you want out of mind. Say that we liberate, son.
0: Friends, welcome to the pilot episode of the Mostly Harmless Podcast. I am your host, Damian Burford. Uh, I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and many of you know me as a former booking agent of the Triple Nickel Tavern here in Colorado Springs. Uh maybe you also know me as the uh, one of the managers, bartenders of the Black Sheep, also here in Colorado Springs. Or maybe you've met me on one of my mini journeys with uh Drag the River, Two Garage, Austin Lucas, or Michael Dean Damron. Uh, by the way, I'm a pretty reasonably priced, hardworking uh tour manager with good references. Uh, The whole idea of this show is to open people up and give you an idea about their origin stories, Uh, whether it be musicians, movie makers, comic book artists, uh, actors, comedians, you know, the sky's the limit. Uh, We're kind of just going to jump in and do origin stories of who we like. Since I have a music background, the majority of this is going to be about music, but uh, we've got a couple other surprises coming up. Uh, So since this podcast is mostly about uh, origin stories... um, Please bear with me for a minute as I give you the uh, origin of this podcast and a little bit more information about myself. Uh, so long before my career as a booking agent, I was a lonely zinester kid here in Colorado Springs. I ran a little zine called uh, Mostly Harmless. Uh, yes, that is in fact a Douglas Adams reference. It is also a description of myself because at the time I uh, started Mostly Harmless. I had a incredibly bad temper, uh, but everybody saw me as this really nice polite kid who could never ever see me mad so kind of like bruce Banner and the incredible hulk or dr jekyll mr had a i could turn on a turn on a dime and fucking explode so the mostly harmless uh, moniker felt appropriate to me because majority of the time i was harmless until you pissed me the fuck off so uh there we are mostly harmless um you know even though the zine we put out two different issues each one had about a thousand issue print run uh printed on news newsprint Uh, Even though the zine received rave reviews, I came a little too late in the zine game. And after uh, self-funding the first two issues, I just couldn't afford it anymore. Uh, I'm not a very good ad salesman. Um, I just couldn't get advertisements. Record companies were no longer buying ads and zines because everything went to the Internet. Uh, So after the two issues, we folded. Uh, Luckily for me, though, those two issues, I met a fuck ton of people and I made a lot of connections that still serve me to this day. Um, And because of those connections, I really did. That's what got me booking shows and doing stuff of that sort. Uh, So earlier this year, I got heavily into podcasts and more specifically got really, really into the Mark Marin's excellent What the Fuck show. Uh, His long form interviews were a revelation. Uh, He was cutting really deep and getting to the core of his guest. Uh, I'm a music junkie. So once I found out stuff like this existed out there on the internet, I found myself searching for music podcasts of this vein, something where, um, you'd sit down with, uh, you know, musician Mick Jagger pops into my head off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, you hear about his words and stories, his addictions, his battles, his troubles and whatnot. And, uh, but there wasn't really anything like that. Most of the music podcasts were kind of, uh, extensions of like college radio shows or b- blogs. Uh, there weren't a lot of, in-depth, long-form interviews. There were a few interview podcasts out there, but they were more like uh, just normal, average, everyday fare where you just hear, oh, hey, my influences were uh, geeching the shrimp shack shooters, you know, and uh, I really wanted to hear something a little bit more in-depth. Uh, r- rather than just jumping in and doing it on my own at this time, you know, that old familiar itch started to creep into the back of my head, but so did self-doubt. I didn't know if I could do it, um, but that that it stuck with me. And then, um, you know, I just dreamed and thought pretty manically and heavily about starting my own podcast. Uh, Now, so this this last year was a pretty rough transitional period for me I was incredibly happy um, battling depression pretty pretty darkly and really just questioning this journey that was my life I was a complete utter fucking mess Uh, the shows I was booking at the triple nickel tavern were tanking despite all the time effort energy I was pushing into them Uh, I was losing money left and right and uh, you know the kind of the way I described the music scene in Colorado is like a music relationship Uh, you stick with it because you have some of the you've had some of the best nights of your life with this music scene, but it's changed. And it's like coming home to your lover who reeks of booze and then proceeds to kick the shit out of you on a nightly basis. Sure. You have a good night here and there. And that's what keeps you with it is you're constantly like trying to work towards every night being that great night when mostly it's just, you just getting the shit kicked out of yourself. You know, you're trying to find that thing you once loved, but really that thing you loved is no more. So, uh, it was around this time, you know, Chuck Reagan came along and, uh, Kind of saved my life in a way. Uh, you know, and around the, around the time I started booking at the Triple Nickel, Chuck Reagan was just putting out his first couple solo records. And, you know, I was hooked instantly. Uh, JJ, the owner of the Triple Nickel, is the bass player for Drag the River. Uh, Chuck and Drag had done some touring together. We, uh, so we had that connection going for us. And as I started at the Nickel, I hit the ground running. I was busting my ass. I was pushing down doors, and I was pushing that bar into what it is today, all of the hope of bringing Chuck to that stage, you know, Chuck and other great-calibered artists, but Chuck Reagan was one of the biggest, highest points for me to book. Um, I've never, be, I, Up until this point, I'd never been too big a fan of hot water music, but then one day I grew my beard out, and as uh, me and Tim from Elway joke a lot, there's, there's something in the beard that makes uh, this type of punk rock interesting, and the switch inside of my head just flipped, and I and bam, there I was. I was fucking hooked on Hot Water Music, a band who previously I had just been kind of like, yeah, they're pretty good, they're pretty alright. But uh, most specifically, the album Caution grabbed a hold of me and like really took shape. Uh, there was one song in particular that really hit home for me, and that was a little Chuck Reagan ditty called Wayfarers. Now Wayfarers has a opens up with this great little line: "It goes, it's a gamble, double down or don't. Step out if you want to, or stay in and be bold." And, uh, you know, I took that song and I made it my battle cry. I remember one instance, you know, I was out on a date with this girl. And I get really nervous on dates. Um, I, you know, I turned back into a 12-year-old boy and I just don't know what the fuck to do or what the fuck to talk about. And I really, really liked this girl. And I couldn't decide on whether to kiss her or not at the end of the night. We're standing by her car and then that the familiar words of Chuck Reagan popped in my head and I gambled <laughs> and I I leaned in and I said to her, I'm going to do something stupid. And I kissed her, shoved my tongue down her throat. And luckily she kissed me back. And you know, we dated for a couple of months and it didn't work out, but we're still good friends to this day. And I, Really, really love that girl, and that's a great story. Uh, and then there were a ton of other instances where that song really became a savior of my sanity. Uh, there were many times around the triple nickel where I had giant guarantees on the line, and then we had an empty bar. No one was coming out, nobody was showing up. It was really hard getting people in. Colorado Springs is a fucking intensely hard town to get people to care about music in. Uh, so I often found myself, you know, almost in tears um just beat the shit from all these shows working a day job busting my ass at night trying to get people to come out and i would i would take my cell phone which had caution on it and i would walk around the block i would just go walking around downtown while these colorado springs while these shows were going on and i would listen to caution and in particular i would listen to wayfarers and i would just let that warm feeling rush over me and that raw energy and the oddly comforting words just kind of took a hold let them feel and you know luckily for me it worked every time i would remember why the fuck i did this to begin with it's because i fucking love music not i and unfortunately in that vein like you have to do it in smart business ways you can't just throw away money because you fucking love it but at the time that's what i was doing uh so you know um on april 23rd my wish finally came true. Me and Virgil had uh, worked pretty hard and set up a little mini tour for Chuck Reagan and possessed by Paul James here in Colorado. And on April 23rd, Chuck Reagan took the stage amongst the sold-out crowd at the Triple Nickel. It was a professional high for me. Um, there was my hero on my stage playing pretty much for me is the way I felt. Uh, sold-out crowd, tons of people. And before the show, I bought Chuck's, Chuck a shot and I told him the story of how much Wayfarers meant to me. And then I asked him if he could play it. He smiled and sighed and said to me, After a story like that, brother, how can I not? show went off without a hitch. Chuck played another hot water music song, Faring. After he was finished, he looked looked down at the crowd and made eye contact with me. He shook his head and smiled. He said to us, This is probably going to suck, but here we go. He thanked me for all the hard work and dedication I'd put into the music scene. He thanked me for a lot. And then he proceeded to say, Damien, this song's for you, brother. He struck that first chord and blew me away. The rest of the night is a blur, but uh, but that moment, that perfect moment of Chuck Reagan playing Wayfarers for me amongst the sold-out crowd of my friends and peers, every fucking ounce of pain and misery and suffering that I had put on the line, all these first world problems had been worth it. And here I was, you know, singing along with my, my fucking idol, one of my heroes, as he played this song for me um so in the months that followed that i you know i looked back to that show with great pride but after that something was missing uh music to me has just simply become an addiction uh there's something intoxicating about filling a room with 100 people and that pride you feel when you knew you did that you know your hard work and energy made that and it brings along this kind of manic infestation inside of you and this this energy and uh after that chuck reagan show it got a lot harder to get that feeling um I knew that in order for me to get that feeling, I would have to keep trying to do bigger, better, harder things, and that I just couldn't do bigger things to the Triple Nickel. I had grown too big for it. Uh, It was a hard decision, but I stepped back and I looked around my life, and I made that hard decision. I left the Triple Nickel Tavern. Uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was I was miserable. I was unhappy, and I love that place. That place changed my fucking life. I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for JJ Gruder, uh, Ryan Kinder, and the guys who made that a possibility. And so I I, I went into the Black Sheep, uh, owned by Mike Barsh, uh, subject Presents out of Denver, and uh, took a manager bartender job. And then slowly, I started making a little bit more money. I stopped putting my own money on the line, and things changed. Things got a lot better. I was a lot happier. I was a lot healthier. Um, but I found I had a lot of extra time on my hands. When I wasn't bartending at the uh, Black Sheep, I had nothing to do but sit on my butt or work my day job. So I went from working constantly to, hey, I'm working two nights a week. I'm making a ton of money. I got a good change in my pocket. But I, I wasn't being as fulfilled on a creative level anymore and you know at the time i was still listening to hours and hours of podcasts and i still was searching for that perfect musical podcast and that old familiar itch just would not go away i would go out and see my favorite bands and i just wanted to become a bigger part of these moments i wanted to meet even more of my heroes and i wanted to create something new and different i wanted to feel that manic energy once again so based on the advice i received from mark Marin himself email folks he'll email you right back it's it's kind of a great feeling henry rollins does the same thing uh it, it's a remarkably easy in the internet day and age to like reach out and touch these people that influence you. And so Mark Maron, uh gave me some advice on a small, simple setup that he uses to record all his interviews. So I uh, slowly pieced together some recording equipment. It took me about six months. And even though I was fucking nervous as shit, I couldn't get my nerves and self-doubt had set in, depression, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I wasn't sure if I could still do interviews after six years of inactivity. But then it happened. An interview chance I could not pass up. The man who had helped push me down this road was coming to Colorado again. Chuck Reagan was playing three shows back to back to back in Denver with social distortion. After a quick couple of emails and tweets, an interview was set up. I was nervous and almost canceled the interview twice. But then some familiar words popped into my head and I doubled down. Fucking went for it. And here we are today with the first episode of the Mostly Harmless Podcast. You know, the night was kinda like a bad date in my excitedness. I misread I misread the uh email confirmation and showed up a whole day early to do the interview. Uh it was a bad day to show up to. Chuck had been having a, a rough day. During the night drive they had hit a deer and royally really fucked up their van. Luckily they were alive and unscathed. Uh you know, Chuck just wanted to hang out backstage, restring his guitar and rest up and get ready for the show. But here I was, little old me, ready to do an interview. But Chuck is a fucking amazing stand-up gentleman, and he went that extra distance with me tonight. He walked across the street to the Account Lodge Inn, directly, directly across from the Ogden Theater where they were playing, and uh, he sat down and did a, you know a really quick interview with me. Uh, we only had a short window of fr- window of time, so I rushed to put together my. Uh, my setup my mixing board and laptop and whatnot i drank way too much coffee on the ride up there because i was nervous and uh instead of plugging in the uh microphone you know the mixing board and the microphone jack i plugged into the headphone jack because i'm always listening to the headphones on the laptop so i fucked up uh luckily two minutes into the interview i caught that and we fixed it and the the audio saved and it's it's okay um you know and then listen to the interview i stutter i stammer but you know what it's fucking cute you know, I was so nervous. It was like a first date with the hottest girl in school. You never thought this would happen, but here you are fucking sitting across from, like, your dream crush. And I'm going to say it. Chuck Reagan is a handsome man. He is beautiful. If I was gay, woo, woo he'd be my bear. But, uh, you know, the interview is great. I really like the content. I really w- like what happened. And I really like how cute and nervous I was. Um, you know, and shit happens, you know. Uh, this is the first episode of the pilot. I love it, cherish this forever, and you know, I love talking to Chuck Reagan, if you get the chance to talk to Chuck Reagan, talk to him about Louisiana, talk to him about growing up, the man, his face would completely change, the exhaustion came off his face as we talked about Louisiana, and uh, he just smiled, and laughed, and cheered, and really turned the whole interview around, and uh, so here we are today, friends. This is the, welcome to the pilot episode of Most of the Harmless. The show isn't going to be polished or squeaky clean. Hell, it's going to be raw, rough, and ready to entertain your ass off. Just like your favorite fucking punk rock bands. You know, sometimes the guest and I are going to be eight sheets to the wind, because that's just the way it works. Sometimes you're nervous as shit, and you're like, I can't do an interview with this guy. So you have 18 fucking beers, and then, uh, (laughs) and then you make your move, often like I do with women, and then fail miserably. (laughs) But here we are, you know, uh, you know, not every episode's gonna be fucking grade A beef, but sometimes you know you're gonna get that McDonald's and it's gonna taste and feel so good. So, uh, what I do promise is this is gonna be a fun show. I'm gonna have fun, and I'm gonna make it as honest and as completely possible as we can. And I'm gonna love every fucking second of it. We've already got four episodes in the can, ready to throw up on the internet once we officially, officially launch the end of January. And uh, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life to start this thing. So thanks for taking this leap with me and joining me on this new journey. And without further ado, here's my interview with the almighty Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music. I'm sitting here talking to Mr.
2: Chuck Reagan, who's having an incredibly bad day. I showed up on the wrong day. No, I'm not having a bad day. (laughs) I'm just, just a few bumps and deer in the road, you know? Yeah. So, uh... So I, I, I had a show with you
0: back in uh, April, like April 23rd, um, at my old bar, uh, Triple Nickel Tavern. I used to work at. Which is probably but uh, um, and then
1: uh,
0: I, I somehow I talked you into playing Wayfarers for me, uh, acoustically. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Which probably means you were drunk. <laughs> I cornered you outside. And you're like, I, I don't or maybe, you. or
2: maybe I just wanted to play it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Um, but uh, one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> And the song has really, uh, like, had a big effect on me and my entire life. And then Here Comes You, and you, we played that show together. Well, I didn't play, but you played. And uh, needless to say, like, once again, like, the whole, the whole thing I, I started out with was uh, not to kiss your ass too much, but the, that whole song, like, just really kind of changed uh, changed my life, maybe, maybe for the best, you know, in certain ways. Like, I would, uh, every time I needed to psych myself up, I would just sing that song to myself and uh, and uh, like it's a gamble, double down or don't. Yeah. And like it, it would get me in some some of the best and some of the stupidest situations I've ever gotten myself into. Yeah. And uh, yeah, both <laughs> and both. Uh, and so I it, and then that show like kind of kind of changed my life too because I was like in a bad place and not doing very good. And through that show, like I hit like a professional and uh, prof- professional and personal like career goal and high. Like after that show, I was like, there's no way I can ever do a show this good on both levels again for myself. So I left that show and I'm like, I'm doing completely different things, moving for different venues and doing other stuff. So, like, one thing I was curious about is, um, I mean, you've put out thousands of albums, you've done thousands of shows probably. I mean, you must hear that a lot that something, your
2: stuff has impacted other people in such a way, right? I, I mean, I do hear, yeah. I mean, a lot of folks have been uh, extremely supportive, and you know, have, uh, you know, come, come up, and you know, let me know that either you know, songs or records or shows or something, you know, or even just conversations or just kind of being around and talking to folks that you know affected their lives. And I mean, all, all I can say, man, is that it's it's overwhelming, you know, to. Uh, to, to to be on that side of it and, and you know hear, hear people's um you know, account. of what it what it was that you know that made a difference in their lives and uh, you know all I can say is you know I'm I'm honored and uh, just very privileged and blessed to be able to you know be a part of something whether whether I created it or whether I was just a part of it or wrote it or you know said it or you name it, you know just the fact that uh you know somewhere along the lines if somebody was able to get something out of out of you know the mistakes I made or you know the uh you know the glories I found mm-hmm. then then fantastic that's no. wonderful you know I grew up you know with uh you know a lot of people that i looked up to and uh you know it 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 worked out the same way you know for me you know so i mean i just feel like you know one way or the other we're all just a, a piece of the puzzle you know
0: yeah um what are some songs has there ever been anything that has affected you on that kind of level that's kind of like a song that's come along and made you go fuck yeah like let's do this or change your life
2: in some way I mean, you know, that would probably be the majority of the uh Creedence Clearwater Revival songs, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of old Fugazi songs, uh, you know, Bob Dylan songs like I mean, uh, you know, there's there's been a there's been a ton of them. T- <clears throat> times are changing is kind of one of those it almost sounds, you know, cliche, but, I mean, it, it just is, to me, one of those songs uh, that, that you know, in one form or the other will always be relevant. Yeah. You know, it's timeless. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, that's definitely one that kind of turned my head upside down. And, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I mean, it, it, what else, like... Um, I mean, it, you're obviously playing acoustic guitar now. Like, you went from the hot water back to this sort of um, traditional rootsier uh, following. And, of course, you, stuff like Clear, Creedence Clearwater. I can't talk too much Red Bull. But, um, you know, kind of, kind of ideal. I mean, where – but at the same time, it's not like – acoustic music like you play an acoustic guitar but it's got the power and force of like a full fledged rock band Um, Mm -hmm. I mean is there a conscious decision to like turn up the volume or is it just something in you that comes out like that
2: no and I don't always turn up the volume I mean I kind of you know I play to cater you know I'm you know I'm a musician you know I mean I play shows and and uh, you know it's I'm a I'm a I'm an entertainer I'm a performer and uh, that's my, you know, that's mm-hmm. not only my passion and what I love to do, but that's also my livelihood and my job. Right. And uh, I'm out here opening up for social distortion. And there's a lot of songs that I've written or that I have that I'm probably not going to get up in front mm-hmm. of the social crowd and yeah. play. I'm going to get up and just, you know, tear it up and give it, give it my all, you know. But, I mean, I think I would play a completely different set. If I was opening up for, you know, uh, Dawes or, or the Low Anthem or you know Mumford and Sons, if, I would play a completely different set than what I would play opening up for, uh, you know, Social D or Dropkick Murphys. You know what I mean? And and a lot of it is not not. It's more just kind of feeling, you know, feeling the feeling the crowd out. You right. know what I mean? Uh, like. No, nobody wants to be in a position where either you're on stage or in the crowd when you're kind of going, you know, communicating with someone who's just kind of off the mark. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole point is connecting with people, sharing music that you believe in, you know, and, and, uh, and reaching people and, and reaching communities and just kind of, you know, getting to know them. No. And, uh, and uh, you know somehow you know, you know, maybe down the road, down the road, you know, you you'll you'll find each other again, you know, cross right. paths again. So, yeah.
0: well, it's great. I mean, that's that's us sitting right here. Like you had a profound, your, your music's had a profound effect on my life, and it's literally like, um, maybe maybe not the catalyst, but like the explosion, the the fire that lit the bomb that started everything. Wow. <laughs>
2: well, thank you, man. I, I
0: mean. You know, and and then like I I meet people and everybody I meet like I like say you played in my uh, hometown of Shreveport like a couple weeks ago and every every single person I ran into was like Chuck is the nicest coolest guy,
2: like, oh like well, he's just down to earth he's the coolest like he's what I had my moments well yeah
0: <laughs> oh I mean like here you are you stop you stopped your entire set to come talk to talk to me in a hotel lobby you know yeah. not not set but changing strings you're in the middle of middle of stuff so I mean that's Sure. You know, somebody to hear this, and hopefully it'll have some kind yeah. of good impact on them, too. I
2: mean, I appreciate it, but I i mean, I mean, think it's also important for people to know that, you know, man, I can just as well be an asshole, too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's important. To people I really cause, can. Cause I can't so. tell you how many dudes I've met over the years who are assholes, and then they meet you, and it's not that you're, you're just genuine. You could be a dick to me, and I'd probably still come off like... Awesome. So after thousands and thousands,
2: <laughs> Boy, I don't, you know, after, I don't I, think so. I, it just impresses
0: me that after thousands and thousands of shows, here you are sitting sitting here being cool and calm. And like, oh, like I say, that that night outside <laughs> the Triple Nickel, we just bullshit and drank, and I don't even remember half the stuff we talked about. But it, <laughs> and then when you dedicated you dedicated Wayfarers to me, and it just blew me, blew my mind. It was <laughs> like I say, it was like a professional high and prof- personal high all at the same time. But. um one thing I'm always curious about. One of, one of the things I want to do with this podcast is kind of like hit the origins of people and their their music. Sure. So one, one thing I'm really curious about is like what what are your earliest memories of music? Like you're talking about credence credence and whatnot, but like yeah, I I, I personally that. yeah, like I personally remember like being like five or six years old mm-hmm. coming home and just. Listening to Born in the USA over and over and over again as a yeah. little kid not having any clue and that's sitting me on this trajectory where I am today. Yeah. I was just curious what, what people my are early, out there.
2: My earliest memories of like hearing music, hearing live music and seeing somebody play was sitting around uh, listening and watching my mama and my papa which is what I call my, they're my grandparents on my mother's side and uh, on my mother's side um, uh, the family, we're all we're all Cajun folks yeah. and um, you know, my my family's from Basil, Louisiana and um, you know, some of my earliest memories was sitting down and uh, you know, sitting back watching you know, my papa was, in a, was an accordion, accordion player and a smoking accordion player yeah. at that, you know Did you ever pick up and, the accordion? Oh uh, yeah, I've got two of his Oh sweet, and uh I'm terrible at it, but I mean, like, I'll be down. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play those things, you know, until the day I die or till I pass them on to my kids or my grandkids, you know. Right. And uh, I love it, you know. I mean, I got a lot, a lot to learn with it, but, um, but yeah, some of my earliest memories are, you know, sitting back, me and my little brother, and sitting on the floor at the end of the day, you know, whatever we were doing, you know with my at my papa's you know hunting fishing you know out in the garden whatever was going on and listening to mama and papa sing cajun songs you know they sang in french and they sang you know all kinds of all kinds of fun songs she would bang on the tambourine and sing and you know teach us how to dance right you know papa would just kick back and play the accordion they would just howl, man. <laughs> are they still around and kicking? They sure are, yeah. man. They sure are. They're, I mean, you know, they, they're getting old and they're getting close, you know, to going and, uh, you know, I say that with, um, you know, with all the respect in the world for them because, I mean, they know it. You know, our whole family knows it. Everybody knows it. And uh, and they're fine with it, too. They're just, man, they've lived a rich life and, you know, they've uh, they've been everything that you know, to me, a, a model, a human being could possibly be. I mean, they are just, could not be <laughs> more amazing. I mean, they, they're they simple folks, man. They've sim- lived, yeah. lived a simple life their entire, you know, all their days and still do, you know. Um, yeah. It's full of love. What do, what do they think of your music and the trajectory it's taken? They love it, man. <laughs> they love it. They couldn't be more. We just, we just rolled through. They live in Alexandria now, so we, uh, we right before we went to Shreveport, um, rolled through Alexandria and, uh, you know, hung out there and just definitely got our fill of gumbo and sauce piquant and all the good stuff. And, and then uh, sat around and just we pulled out all the instruments and played for my family. you know just kind of did a show in the living room and you know my cousins my aunts and uh you know my mama and papa and they just man they loved it right they just loved it and we loved it and that's that's what it's all about right there
0: yeah what did they think of the hot water stuff too they loved that too
2: oh they probably couldn't under I don't I don't even know if they've ever heard that yeah yeah yeah, they, but they've always heard me playing the acoustic yeah. stuff. How long have you been playing acoustic? Like forever? Oh, since well, I got I got my first one when I was twelve years old. Yeah, so. and you're what thirty seven now?
0: Yeah. So that's that's a lot long time of practice. How natural is it going between like going from hot water to the Chuck,
2: the solo uh, stuff? Nowadays, it's it's really awkward. It feels really foreign picking up an electric guitar. You know, it's uh, it's just so different. You know. <laughs> and yeah. it's so very loud <laughs> like it's not used to that and uh, you know but, uh,
0: but one of the things I've always like, like I kind of rambled about earlier like whenever I do see a hot water show and then when I see you the few times you know I have seen you it's usually in a Loud, drunken punk rock bar acoustically, you still kind of play with that same intensity though, yeah. only with that acoustic. No. Like, I, I always love it, and people are like, I don't like that senior songwriter crap. And I'm like, this is a completely different beast than like all those other punk rock guys going acoustic. So, I, you know. yeah. So,
2: well, thanks.
0: So, um, yes i i love the new record um it's it's probably we're we, on the way up here we we're debating on if it's my number one or second favorite album of the year versus a uh, red city radio's debut album but uh you're gonna be in the blasting room i just read today you're gonna be in the blasting room in january so yeah. with the new record um switching up gears with that um are you excited for that How's that going to be?
2: Uh, I haven't even... Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm totally <laughs> excited about it. I mean, uh, Bill, Bill's a, a great fella, and, um, you know, Blasting Room's a great place. I've never recorded there before, so I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, it's the first time uh, Water's done a record in a long time, but yeah. we still have a massive amount of work to do just to get to the point to record that record. So right now I've, I've just been... You know, full steam ahead, supporting covering ground and in a completely different gear. Right. So I need to get home, clear my head and just shift gears and, yeah. you know,
0: You're saying well, it's a great record. I love it. So. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm excited for the Descendants Hot Water Show. That's pretty much my wet dream right there for music. So, <laughs> like it's just two, two of my very favorite bands together in one night. So, um, I, I don't want to waste any more of your time. I know you got to go over there and restring your guitar. So, no worries. Um, th- man. Thanks for taking time.
1: time yeah, out, man. man. With a pleasure.
0: Maybe you. maybe in January we can sit down and do like something a little bit more proper. Sure. Or something, yeah. Since you'll probably
2: be here for a week or two. Yeah, I'm all about it. So, so we'll work it out. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Alright man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the support. Yeah. Well, all right, friends.
0: We'd like to thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Mostly Harmless podcast. That was our good friend, Mr. Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music. I would like to thank him for sitting down and doing that little interview for us, regardless of how bad a day he might have been having. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as I (laughs) enjoyed doing it and listening to it. sure It's one of those things that kind of makes me cringe, but it makes me cringe in such a sweet way to see it. Such a rough start for something so beautiful. Uh, the next couple of years, you're going to see this thing grow, move, shake, turn into something completely different. I have that feeling. This is a good feeling I got doing this thing. Uh, so I'm really happy. Uh, Mr. Chuck Reagan, he's going to be in Fort Collins, Colorado, not too far from here. They're going to be doing a... Uh, How About Our Music is going to be recording a new album. They're going to be playing a special show Saturday, January 28th at the Fillmore Auditorium. How About Our Music is going to be opening for the almighty the descendants. Uh, it's going to be like a fanboy's wet dream for little old me. Uh, my absolute two favorite punk rock bands are playing the same bill. Um, I'll be up front with a huge nerd boner and maybe even a real life physical boner for Mr. Chuck Reagan. Uh, the, as I say, this is the first pilot episode. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we're going to launch officially on uh, Monday, January 14th with an interview from uh, our good friend, Mr. Michael Schnabel. Oh, shit. I just look at the calendar. I'm completely retarded. It's going to be Monday, January 16th. I'm looking at the wrong damn calendar. Uh, Monday, January 16th, Mr. Michael Schnabel, me and him get shitty and uh, do a drunken 3 a.m. podcast where he talks about his newest uh, album, I'm Dead Serious. Out now on suburban home records uh, before we leave you, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to always end the episode with at least one song. Uh, and I want to leave you guys with another song off Chuck Reagan's, uh, new album cover and ground. We're going to play meet me in the middle, but I talked a whole lot about Wayfarers, and how can I end this podcast without ending it with a little Wayfarers? So at the very end of this, after uh, meet me in the middle, you're going to hear uh wayfares, hot water music, my all time favorite hot water music song. And, uh, Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. Maybe you'll get a little something out of it. And in the meantime, keep visiting uh, com for updates and information. Like us on Facebook. That's where you're going to find out the most frequently updated things. And uh, we got a whole lot more coming. we got interviews with Chris Vogel from The Gamets. we got Virgil Dickinson from uh, Suburban Home Records. And then we've got uh, my good friend, comic book artist uh, Noah Van Scriver from uh, Denver, Colorado, talking about his newest book about Abraham Lincoln, The Hypo, and other such fine Illustrated discussions. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, this is "Meet Me in the Middle," followed by Wayfarers Both Chuck Reagan songs. One him solo, one him with a band. Good night.
1: Well, I found myself. Yeah, tell me what you need my job and meet you in the middle. just so like